0: Chapter nine of William again by Rick This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nine. Just William's luck. William had accompanied his mother on a visit to Aunt Ellen. Mrs. Brown was recovering from an attack of influenza, and the doctor had ordered a change. William did not accompany her because his presence was in any way likely to help her convalescence on the contrary it was warranted to reduce any person of normal health to a state of acute nervous breakdown he accompanied her solely because the rest of the family refused to be left in charge of him as his grown-up brother robert somewhat ungraciously put it mother's ill already and william can't make her much worse it's no use getting the whole lot of us knocked up besides mother likes william he made the last statement in the tone of voice in which one makes a statement that is almost incredible, but true. William was an entirely well-meaning boy. That fact must be realized in any attempt to estimate his character. But fate had a way of putting him into strange situations, and the world in general had a way of misunderstanding him. At least, so it always seemed to William william was bored by aunt ellen and aunt ellen's house and aunt ellen's garden and aunt ellen's cat and aunt ellen's conversation and aunt ellen's powers of entertainment aunt ellen had suggested many ways in which he might spend his first afternoon with her while his mother rested he might sit in the garden and read she'd rather he didn't go outside the garden alone because he might meet rough boys and she was sure his dear mother was most particular whom he met so she gave him a book called little peter the sunshine of the home and put a chair for him in the garden it's a beautiful book william she said and i think will do you good it's a true book written by the boy's mother as the preface tells you he is a beautiful character i love the book myself we'll have a nice little talk about it when you've read it it might prove the turning point in your life i'm sure you'll wish you knew peter and his dear mother william after reading a few pages began as she had predicted to wish he knew peter and his mother he wished he knew peter in order to take the curl out of that butter-coloured hair and the fatuous smile from the complacent little mouth that stared at him from every illustration driven at last to fury he dropped Peter down the well and began to look for more congenial occupations. He tried to play with the cat, but the cat, not being used to William's method of playing, scratched him on the cheek and escaped under the bicycle shed, whither William could not follow him. William next climbed the apple tree, but like the rest of Aunt Ellen's establishment, the apple tree was not used to boys, and the first branch upon which William took his stand precipitated him on to the lawn and almost down the well to join his victim peter the sunshine of the home next he took up a few of aunt ellen's cherished chrysanthemums to compare the length of their roots at different stages replanting them when he heard aunt ellen's footsteps approaching william darling she said reproachfully have you finished the book "'answered William noncommittally. "'You must read very quickly, darling. "'I'll get you another. "'I have another book about Peter. "'You'll be glad to hear.' "'William coughed politely. "'Thanks,' he said. "'I don't just feel like any more readin'. "'I'd like more to do something. "'I'm tired of doing nothin'." "'She looked at him helplessly. "'But what do you want to do, William, darling?' "'To know. "'Any sort of a game would do,' he said graciously.' The only game in Aunt Ellen's house was an old archery set, a relic of her Victorian youth. She brought it down for William. You see, you shoot at the target, darling, she explained. Thanks, said William, brightening considerably. You needn't bother lending me the target. Aunt Ellen retreated upstairs to continue her interrupted nap it was only when william in a perfectly laudable attempt to shoot an apple down from the apple tree had broken the landing window driven the cat into a hysterical state of fury and landed an arrow full in the back of the next-door gardener that aunt ellen raised herself once more from the bed that was usually the scene of much untroubled rest she rescued william in a state of indignation from the cat and gardener and suggested a little walk she felt somehow less sure of the contaminating influence of the outside world on william's character everyone's got to practise said william indignantly well i was only practising i'd have got my eye in soon i hadn't got my eye in when i hit them. everybody's got to practise no one's born with their eye in if i went on about five minutes longer i wouldn't be hitting anything except what i wanted to and then he added darkly with a vague mental vision of the world in general and peter and the cat and the gardener in particular at his mercy then some folks had better look out aunt ellen shuddered darling don't you think a little walk would do you good "'I don't mind,' said William. "'May I take the bow and arrows?' "'I think not,' said Aunt Ellen. "'All right,' said William despondently. William started off down the road. Aunt Ellen returned once more to her slumbers. Peace reigned once more over the house, but not over William. William walked slowly and dejectedly, his hands in his pockets a week of sheer boredom lay before him of a garden arranged purely for the grown-up world of books containing obnoxious peters of irate gardeners of spiteful cats he didn't think that he was going to enjoy himself he didn't think that there was going to be anything to do he didn't think his walk that afternoon would contain anything of the least interest he didn't know any boys here He didn't want to know any boys in a place like this. They were probably all Peters. He felt a burning hatred of Peter. He wouldn't mind meeting Peter. He was tired of walking along the high road. He crawled through a hole in the hedge and found himself in someone's garden. He didn't care. He was in the reckless mood of the outlaw. He walked along the lawn and up to the house. He didn't care. He'd like to see anyone try to turn him out that old gardener that old cat that old peter then he stopped suddenly through an open window he could see a room and a man sitting at a writing desk on the writing desk was a pile of books what to do with babies hints on the upbringing of children every mother's reference book and others of the same nature there were also several typewritten manuscripts and several copies of a magazine the monthly signal a magazine for mothers but it was not on these that William fastened his scowling gaze. It was on a book, or rather a pile of books, from whose covers the simpering, curly-haired face of the hateful Peter looked out upon the world. The man who sat at the desk was reading a letter. There was a look of fear upon his face. Suddenly he looked up and met William's unflinching gaze. They stared at each other for a few moments. Then the man put down the letter and ran from the room. Obviously it was the sight of William that had moved him. In a less defiant mood towards the world in general, William might have taken to his heels. Now he stood his ground, frowning ferociously at the man as he came out of the front door. But his ferocity was not needed. "'I say,' began the man, "'do you live near here?' William's frown did not relax." stay in here he admitted ungraciously i say said the man again could you help me just for this afternoon i'll give you everything you want a shilling two shillings ten shillings he went on wildly anything you can come to this garden any day you like as long as you stay here you can birds nest in the wood i've got a boy's tricycle you can have and and you can do anything you like in the garden there's a pond behind the house can i have all those things you said and do all those things you said said william guardedly yes yes if you'll do what i tell you just for this afternoon i'll do anything for those things said william simply come in said the man nervously there's not much time she'll be here any moment when she comes said the man quickly she'll be here any minute now i want you to pretend you're called peter and i'm your mother do you see william was outraged me peter that boy at his tone of contempt the man's eyes blinked but he's a charming boy he said indignantly everyone says so i could show you letters only at the mental vision of the pond the tricycle the wood the garden the ten shillings did william's conscience allow him to pocket his pride he's more like a monkey out of the zoo than a boy he said bitterly but i'll do it if you'll never tell anyone i pretended to be him the man's pride was evidently wounded by william's attitude i should have thought it an honour i've had most flattering notices i could show you letters however there's no time to argue as i said she may be here any minute i shan't be here you must see her alone say you're peter i'm afraid you're the wrong type sadly your hair doesn't curl and it's the wrong colour and you're too big and your expression's wrong not sensitive enough or gentle enough or wistful enough william was rather sensitive about his personal appearance he accepted it with resignation as the subject of numerous jokes from his own family but he resented comments on it from outsiders All right, he said coldly. If all that's wrong with me, you'd better get someone else what's got his soft silly face. No, no, said the man wildly. I didn't mean anything. And there's no time, I'm afraid, to procure a more sympathetic type. She may be here any minute. All I want is you to meet her and pretend to be Peter. I shan't be here. You must say that this is your home and your mother's in bed with a bad headache and is sorry she can't receive her then she'll go away come and tell me when she's gone see oh, agreed william a tall angular figure was coming up the drive the man fled into the house with a groan mr monckton graham was a literary man that is to say he wrote the mother's page for the monthly signal a magazine for mothers he signed it peter's mother the page always centred around peter peter's mother told how she dealt with peter's measles and whooping cough and clothes and temper though peter's disposition was really angelic and how she arranged peter's parties and treats and daily routine and lessons and holidays and how she influenced him for good with her sweet unselfishness and motherly wisdom and what sweet things peter did and said and thought peter was a decided cult. Mothers wrote to Peter's mother, care of the office, monthly signal, for advice about John or Henry or Jimmy, or even Anne. Mr. Monkton Graham was thinking of starting a Joan. Mothers sent flowers and photographs of John and Henry and Jimmy to him. Someone had even sent a tricycle to Peter. Mr. Monkton Graham had written a letter of thanks in a round and childish hand. They asked for photographs of Peter mr monckton graham possessed an old photograph of a nephew of his he had this uh, touched up and sent it out to peter's admirers it appeared in the magazine the nephew was in south africa and would hardly have recognised it in any case it created quite a furor at first mr monckton graham's work had not been laborious it had consisted of reading a paragraph in a standard reference book on the rearing of children expanding it peterizing it and adding the ineffably sweet touch of peter's mother that earned him his six guineas a week but success went to his head he wrote a book about peter it was wildly popular he wrote another it was still more wildly popular he received letters and presents and photographs innumerable they voted him a second dearest and peter a second fauntleroy he knew fame even though a strictly incognito fame at last he always replied to his admirers sweet little letters breathing the very spirit of peter's mother but last week after a good dinner when he saw the world through a rosy mist his usual discretion had deserted him he had written to an admirer of peter giving the name of the village and house where he lived he had at the time not realized the significance of what he was doing it only occurred to him the next morning when the letter was posted and the rosy mist had faded the horrible thing had really happened the woman had written to say that she was coming to see darling peter's darling mother that day the letter had come by the midday post and the visitor might be there any minute we are not strangers darling ran the letter even as i write though i have never seen you i can see your fair curly hair peter's hair and your dear blue eyes Peter's eyes. When I think that I'm going actually to see you two darlings, whom I feel I know so well, I can hardly believe my happiness. A kiss to you and darling Peter. As he had raised his anguished eyes from this letter, he had met the strange scowling face of a boy just outside his window. A gleam of hope came into his heart. The situation might yet be saved. He might yet escape being held up to the scorn and ridicule of the readers of the monthly signal, a magazine for women. Looking again at the face of the boy, he had distinct misgivings, but he decided to try. William remained at the front door till the tall, angular figure reached it. Then they stared at each other. William had a gift for staring. People who tried to stare him out soon realized their inferiority in the art. "'Good morning, little boy,' said the visitor. Hm replied William. He was determined to earn that tricycle and pond and wood and bird's nest and ten shillings, and he felt that the less he committed himself to any definite statements outside his role, the better. "'What's your name, dear?' William inspected her. She looked harmless enough. She had a weak, good-natured face and greying hair, and kind, short-sighted eyes behind spectacles.' she ought to be easy to make a mug of thought william out of the vast store of his knowledge of human nature peter he said the disappointment upon the good-natured face made william feel slightly annoyed peter surely not she quavered that curly hair what i had he explained swallowing his annoyance all came off got clawed off by a monkey at the zoo his imagination was coming to his aid as usual i went too near the cage and it stuck out its quar and clawed it all off every bit they took me home bald and the next day it grew again but a bit different how terrible the visitor murmured shutting her eyes wasn't your dear mother sad when it grew that colour no said william coldly she likes this colour that's so like her said the lady tenderly to pretend to you that she likes it william began to dislike the lady He waited for her to continue the conversation. "'Somehow you're quite different in every way from what I expected,' she went on, with a distinct note of regret in her voice, which William felt to be far from flattering. "'You're taller and stouter, and your expression—yes, that's quite different.' "'Yes,' said William, still anxious to carry out his part of the bargain. "'I've changed a lot since I got those pictures took.' "'Got a bit older, you know, and had some awful illnesses.' "'Really?' said the lady, in sympathy. "'Your dear mother never told me in her letters.' "'She never knew,' said William. "'I never told her, so as not to worry her. I just went about as usual, and she never knew. But it made me look different afterwards.' "'It would,' said the lady, with a bewildered air.' "'Well, shall we go in to your dear mother? She expects me, I believe. My name is Miss Rubinia Strange.' "'Oh,' said William, "'she's ill. She said I was to tell you. She can't see you. She's very ill.' "'Ill? I am so sorry. But I would like to go to her. Perhaps I could do something for her.' "'No, you can't,' said William. "'No one can. It's too late.' "'But have you had the doctor?' yes he said it's too late to do anything good heavens she's not yes she's dying all right said william but can't anything be done this is dreadful i feel absolutely heartbroken. i must just come into the house there's surely something i can do william followed her into the house mr Monkton graham had not expected this he was standing by the window of his study waiting till miss rubinia strange should depart When he saw her about to enter the room, he did the only possible thing—he disappeared. Miss Rubinia Strange looked round the room with the air of a pilgrim visiting a holy place. "'And this, dear Peter,' she said in a hushed whisper, where she writes those wonderful words. "'Oh,' answered William, "'oh, my dear, to think that I see it with my poor, unworthy eyes! I have imagined it so often.' then she raised her long thin nose and sniffed peter dear there's just a faint smell of it surely your dear mother doesn't smoke cigarettes no said william absently it was a pipe he was smoking who him said william who was beginning to tire of the whole thing it was the thought of the tricycle alone that upheld him "'Your poor mind is unhinged,' said Miss Rubinia soothingly. "'I expect you are worrying over your mother's illness, "'which I'm sure you exaggerate, darling. "'I'm sure she'd have written to tell me if she'd been really ill. "'Is this the pen she writes with? Uh, "'Is this the blotting paper she's actually used? "'Peter, dear, do you think I could just take a corner of it, "'just a corner, just to remember my visit by, for always?' mr monckton graham was growing uncomfortable there was not really room under the table for a full-sized man to dispose his limbs he stirred uneasily and miss rubinia strange turned startled eyes to william placing her finger on her lips then snatching up the sacred pen she wrote on the sacred paper peter there is a man underneath the table don't be alarmed. I'm going to deal with him. Above all, do nothing to disturb your dear mother. William said nothing. He felt that the affair had got beyond him. Miss Rubinia Strange crept cautiously about the room she took a long narrow tablecloth from an occasional table she took a length of picture cord which she found in a drawer of the sacred writing desk she took an ornamental dagger from a cabinet she took a cushion from an armchair then she whispered to william no noise or disturbance remember your mother is ill just as the innocent mr graham was trying to ease the ache in his neck by resting his head on his knee he felt a sudden and violent attack in the rear he was dragged out forcibly by a tall thin female who was nevertheless evidently possessed of unusual strength before he could remonstrate his feet were firmly tied together with the tablecloth and he was half dragged half helped to a sitting position on a chair then leaning over him threateningly with the dagger in one hand the woman spoke make a sound she said in a low hissing voice utter one word and i will strike there is a sick woman in this house and i will stick at nothing to protect her you have come to rob a woman who is a dear friend of mine and if every woman and if necessary i will take extreme measures Mr. Graham looked apprehensively at the dagger. It had, as he knew, a nasty sharp point. He therefore obeyed her orders. He made no sound and uttered no word, while she tied the cushion over his face and pinioned his arms to his side with the picture cord. Then she turned to William. William had for the moment lost all power of action. Things were moving too fast for him she must know whispered to miss Ravinia Strange. i'll break it to her gently don't let him move till i come back i'll find out if she wishes to prosecute which is her bedroom he stared at her open mouth oh, never mind she went on i'll soon find her when she had gone william turned his gaze to the figure in the chair all that could be seen above the pinioned arms was a large cushion the cushion began to move spasmodically to shake convulsively and to utter muffled curses the whole figure began to writhe in its bonds from what he could make out of the words that came from the cushion william instinctively felt that the monologue was one that his mother would not wish him to hear he therefore listened attentively mouth and ears wide open the words appeared forcible if somewhat inaudible Just as Mr. Graham had bent down his invisible head to try to bite the bonds round his knees through the cushion, Miss Strange, looking wild and dishevelled, returned. "'She's gone!' she burst out. "'She's not in the house, not in any of the bedrooms. What shall we do?' At this point, with a bellow of rage, the man in the chair managed to shake off his cushion. The face that emerged was hardly human something violent had happened to its hair, something violent had happened to its collar, something violent had happened to its expression. Before he could utter anything that was in his mind, a housemaid came into the room. "'Oh!' she said. "'It's the master. They're a murderin' of him. Oh! Oh!' with which remark she fled. "'The master?' gasped Miss Strange. She turned to William. "'I didn't know your father was alive.' Then she turned to the figure, who was obviously seeking words capable of expressing his feelings. "'Where is your wife?' she ended sternly. "'Miserable man, where is your wife?' "'I haven't got any wife,' he shouted. "'But who wrote?' "'I wrote!' he yelled. "'Then Peter's mother? There isn't any Peter's mother.' "'My poor man, have I touched on painful ground?' She placed a kind hand on William's head. "'Poor little orphan Peter!' she murmured softly. "'How long ago was it since she wrote to me?' "'There isn't any Peter!' shouted the man, like one distraught. "'There isn't any Peter's mother! There isn't any Peter! There isn't any Peter's mother! There is only me! And you've nearly throttled me, and you've nearly suffocated me, and you've nearly knifed me, and would you mind going away?' "'I don't know who the boy is,' he went on, following her gaze, "'except that he's some young Ruthian, trespassing in my garden, "'and who'll make my life a misery for the next few weeks "'till he kills himself, or me, or I kill him, or myself.' "'Miss Rubinia Strange, baffled for the first time that afternoon, "'sat down weakly. "'But I don't understand,' she said. When she did understand, she did not sweep out of the room in disgust, as he had hoped she would. Instead, she looked at him with bright eyes. "'But how wonderful of you,' she said. "'Of course I will keep your dear secret. What sympathy and understanding of a woman's heart you have shown. It's all the more wonderful that you are a man. And we are friends, are we not? Old friends. We must have a chat.' She looked round the room. Let me tidy up a little first. Ah, the room needs a woman's touch. Then we will have a talk. There are so many things I want to ask and to tell you. Ours will be a very beautiful friendship. Mr. Moncton Graham threw a pathetic and pleading look at William. You may stay a little, uh, he said. Thanks, he said coldly. I'd rather go just now. You won't forget those things you promised me, will you? Uh, no said mr graham whose spirit was broken my aunt's not got much of a garden said william so i expect i shall be here most days i'll come for the tricycle and money after tea we mustn't be shy of each other miss strange said in low confidential tones my friends call me ruby mr monckton looked wildly from her to william his face was the face of a man in the depths of despair After tea, William's mother was anxious to know how William had spent his afternoon. "'I met a man,' he said casually, "'who's going to let me play in his garden, and he's given me a tricycle and some money.' "'Where does he live, dear?' said Aunt Ellen. "'At the end of the road,' replied William. "'Oh, I know,' said Aunt Ellen. "'It's a beautiful big garden. You're a very lucky boy, William. But I can't think why.' he must have taken a fancy to william said william's mother some people do now i must find you something to read went on aunt ellen to william's mother i've got some perfectly charming books that i know you'll love they're all about a little boy such a dear called peter they're written by his mother they're perfectly true she tells you so in the preface they're so beautiful that they make me want to cry whenever i read them I lent one to William before he went out this afternoon, Peter the sunshine of the home, but he seems to have mislaid it. However, I've got heaps more. She, the mother, writes very beautiful little articles in one of the magazines. She must be a charming woman, to say nothing of Peter. She threw William a smiling glance. There are some things our William might learn from Peter. With all his faults, William knew when to keep his own counsel. He merely winked at the cat. End of chapter 9